Good afternoon and welcome to a special edition of the John Oakley Show here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We're streaming the first hour of the show on globalnews.ca as we welcome four candidates to our studios vying to be the next mayor of Toronto. Joining me to moderate our mayoral debate is Global News Toronto anchor Farah Nasser. Thank you so much, John. Thanks for having me on. We have four candidates who all want to be your next mayor. And candidates, instead of me introducing you today and so our radio listeners can get more familiar with your voices, I'm going to ask all of you to introduce yourselves and, in just a few seconds, tell us your favorite street in Toronto and why. Mr. John Torrey, I'll start with you. Well, I'm John Torrey, and my favorite street in Toronto is a street you may not know in North Toronto, uh, Glen Forest Road. Why? Uh, because it's where Barb and I had our first apartment and our first child was born there, and it doesn't get any more special than that. Excuse me. My name's Jennifer Kiesmat, and my very special treat, street in this city is in North York, and it's called Parkway Forest Drive, and it's so special because my planning team and I worked with the community to transform this street and the neighborhood to be an inclusive, vibrant place. My name's Saran Gabrasalasi. My favorite street in Toronto is Eglinton West, which is where I grew up in Toronto community housing in York Square, which produced some of the best and brightest young people in the city today. And I'm Sarah Kleimenhaga, and there are so many great streets in Toronto, it, you just can't pick a favorite, but I have to give a shout out to Young Street. It divides our city, it has so much incredible potential, and I want us to live up to that potential by uh, transforming it in every way we can. Thank you, candidates. Let's lay out the rules for today's debate. We're going to tackle three major issues facing the city. We're going to give each candidate a minute to lay out their priorities for the following topics. Congestion on our streets, crime, and housing affordability. After each candidate makes their statement, we'll open up the floor to debate. Candidates will be allowed to challenge or support what they've heard. We have a set amount of time for each one of these debate segments. When we reach the end, we'll ring the bell and that means it's time to move things along. Let's have Farah introduce our first major topic. Okay, thanks, John. So we want to know how our candidates plan to fix Toronto's streets. So we want you all to tell us about your vision to ease congestion, but also at the same time improve safety for all road users, including drivers, pedestrians, and cyclists. John Tory, you are first to make a one-minute statement. Well, I think uh, if you're looking at a balance between those two, because uh, it, it's a, you have to do all of those things, it has to be the balance in favor of safety. And that's a lot of what we have been doing. We've created uh, 65 new senior safety zones. I went to Queen's Park and convinced the government to allow us to reintroduce photo radar in school zones. This is going to help keep kids safe. 50 uh, kilometers of new bike lanes, uh, all kinds of measures with speed signage, uh, many, many changes to speed limits in uh, the zones around schools and other community safety areas. So I I think that's a large part of the measure of things we're doing right now. On the traffic congestion side, the number one thing we can do is build transit. Uh, but other than that, we've also been working hard at enforcement. We've had many blitzes where people just know there's going to be a consequence to leaving your car where you shouldn't. Uh, we've had all kinds of technology we're now using to try and keep uh, traffic moving. But the number one thing we can do uh, to reduce congestion in Toronto is to build transit, to give people an option to use transit. Thank you, John Tory. Now, uh I just wanted to remind the candidates, you can chime in accordingly as you see fit, but uh, I want to start with Jennifer Keysmat in response to what John Tory told us in his opening statement. He cited things like photo radar, bike lane, speed uh, limits, uh, and uh, traffic blitzes and so on and so forth, a response to making Toronto streets safer. 
Well, John, let's be very clear. People are frustrated in this city by long commutes. It takes too long to get home to your family in this city. And we know it's a drag on our economy. Toronto has the worst congestion times on the continent. After four years of Mr. Tory, what we've seen is that we have longer commute times. We have more dangerous streets in the city. Instead of embracing Vision Zero and aiming to reduce and to get rid of road deaths in our city, John Dory set an unambitious target of merely reducing the road deaths in our city by 20%. That is simply not acceptable. I've introduced a plan to make everyone in this city safe. That means pedestrians, it means cyclists, it means drivers. My goal, unlike Mr. Tory, my goal is zero pedestrian, cyclists or driver deaths on our streets. We know that a million more people are coming to this city in the coming years and we need great transit in every single corner of this city. And we're only going to do that if we're providing more choice, whether just, people walking just or cycling over here. or taking transit. I mean, this ideal of zero uh, deaths, traffic, pedestrian, so on and so forth, I mean, uh, as perhaps seemingly impossible as that sounds, is there any way of, of reaching or attaining that? Saren, I'll start with well, you. I, uh, okay. Saren? Sure. Um, as Ms. Kismet has hinted online, the solution to congestion in the city and to increase safety of pedestrians in the city is to make a bold plan for free transit, as has been piloted in over 100 cities around the world. It's obvious if we had free transit, there would be a whole lot less congestion and there'd be a lot less cars on the road. Sarah, the free transit idea is an interesting one. Does that make it safer for the people in Toronto? Well, actually, I want to get back to something that John was talking about, which is uh, signs for signs to address um, safety, photo radar to address safety, and 50 kilometers of bike lanes. So signs do not make the streets safer. And it seems like every time we have deaths, we, we put in more signs. It doesn't slow people down. We have to move away from signs and towards design. Um, when we're talking about photo radar, absolutely, it's a great idea to have continuous enforcement that doesn't cost a lot of police resources. But the province is not necessarily going to be a fan of photo radar so we can't put all eggs all our eggs in the photo radar basket um, we need to again look at design and finally when it comes to bike lanes 50 kilometers is a pittance an absolute pittance on our streets bicycling is uh, whether you like it or not it is a great fast way to move people so we need to be making sure we're delivering a good amount of space right, there's no balance it. right we're now tight on time but that's a good opening salvo thank and, you all. and you'll all have a minute just to remind you to to say what you feel is the best way to to approach this topic so um it's your turn jennifer keys matt uh, in one minute tell us how you're going to plan to address congestion and safety on our roads well, the most important way that we can address congestion in this city is by addressing the commute times that we see by providing more choice. Residents need more choice in terms of how they get around. We know that in a 21st century city, there's a whole variety of different ways that people move from place to place. Today, 68% of commuters come downtown on transit. So transit does the heavy lifting in our city. And yet, what have we seen? We've seen dithering and delay when it comes to the transit file. We have not been delivering the transit that we need to make transit a real choice in every single corner of the city. That's what we need if we're going to address commute times, if we're going to get people home to their families in the evening. The only way to do that is to shift from this political approach of sketch sketching up plans on the back of napkins to an approach where we are advancing a whole variety of transit projects at once.
That means subways. It okay. means streetcars. It means up. LRTs. He's, he's not. All right. So I, I'd, we, I'd we like to gonna, comment on that. We're gonna, yeah, but I'm going to start the debate actually uh, with uh, Saron. You can you can jump in and talk about. You talked about free transit, Absolutely. but accessibility to transit. Yes, I, I would like to hear from Ms. Keys, Matt. You said online that you uh, hinted that there's free transit. Um, we're on the road to that in Paris. Are you committing to free transit in the city of Toronto? I certainly am because I know that that will take a real hit at poverty in our city and that it's absolutely possible. $3.25 is way too expensive for a lot of working class people in the city. Mr. Tory, I'll let you jump in. Well, I, I will answer your question. You didn't pose that one to me, but I won't do what Ms. Keysmat has done and make these kind of incredible uh, commitments that have no uh, basis, in fact, in terms of them being carried out. And when she talks about free transit, she, what she won't answer, and, and I would ask you now, how are you going to pay for all of these things? I mean, you've, you not, you've not said a word. Transit? I believe that making transit free for kids 12 and under, which was done while I was mayor, I believe in the low income fare pass, which for the first time in the history of the city we have to help people who are very low income people, that oh, will help. Yes, then you that, believe well, in free transit. I, can't, for the I will people not the stand here and Toronto? make that promise because I think the people out there know how much tax they're paying, and they know that free transit is not free. We have so free education. Ms. Keesmat talks about that, and you, respectfully, I just say, well, look, you better answer the question of how you're going to pay for it with all of the other priorities we have, including the building of transit, which we've got a lot of money uh, uh, to do uh, from the other governments, and and that's going to be put at Mr. risk. Mr. Tory, you spent almost three billion dollars. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to let Ms. Keesmat and Sarah. We'll get to you in a second. But Ms. Kismet, would you respond to what uh, Mr. Tory said about how he doesn't think you're actually going to be able to get any plans done? Well, absolutely. We're in this ridiculous situation right now where we have Mr. Tory who promised to deliver transit through tax increment financing and instead has stuck the taxpayers with a bill for $1.4 billion for a questionable plan that has been torn apart. Smart Track was supposed to be 53 kilometers of new track. Instead, it's nothing. It's zero. We were supposed to have London-style surface subways. Instead, existing GO trains. There were supposed to be 22 new stations. That's been whittled down to six. And those six stations, they are for an asset that the province of Ontario will operate and own. It's absolutely absurd for Mr. Tory to be suggesting that there's some kind of raw deal in my plan when, in fact, the raw deal is Smart Track, which is a mirage here's and which real, we know here's the is $1.4 billion. $1.4 billion that came out of our precious transit I'm resources. Sorry, the raw deal is, you are going to take a transit plan that has been approved by the city council, agreed to by the other governments, and you are going to start changing it around and delay us for years on transit. That's what's going to happen. Okay, I have to cut you off. I think the discussion is going really well, but again, you'll all have your chance to give your points on this topic. We want to give a minute to Saren to perhaps follow up on that plan for free transit, but how would you, in the broader context, address the situation on Toronto streets that would Involve pedestrians, cyclists, as well as motorists. So neither Mr. Tory or Jennifer Kiesmat gave a clear yes to free transit. I heard Mr. Tory say. I actually gave a clear no. You gave a clear no. no. We so can't do it right now. Okay. okay. Well, well I would, I'm, I'm here to propose that we actually do have the money to have free transit. That free transit is a right, like child, like education and like healthcare. And there will be a time in this city when people will say that transit is 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 a right. And I, I'm surprised to not surprised to hear that from Mr. Tory, but I'd like to hear Ms. Kiesmat give a clear yes to free transit in the city of Toronto. 
Now, I think there's a kind of a middle ground here because we can have free transit for seniors tomorrow, absolutely. And seniors ask me that all the time. They say, why do kids get it and not us? We need it as just as much as them, if not more. So I am committing to free transit for seniors. As far as free transit, I think it's an amazing idea and I think it's a time, an idea whose time is worth pursuing. But it's going to take some doing to get it there and it's going to take a buy-in from most of the city, if not all. So I can't promise to do free transit right away, but I can say it's an idea that I believe in and I think I'm so glad that Sarah and Gabriel has brought that up for us to consider. We need to talk about it because transit is an investment for our city. It's not a cost. The city of Toronto can afford free transit. The operating budget for the city is in the $2 billion range. We saw that over $3 billion have been invested in other projects. So the city of Toronto can afford free transit. I'm very this glad that you brought this up in particular. One of the wealthiest cities in the world. I'm and glad so you for the working class people in the city of Toronto, $3.25 is way too punitive. I'm glad you brought this up and I'm glad you drew attention to the fact Ms. Keesmat has made another of these kind of huge promises with no indication of how to pay for it. But the bottom line, I would say to people Hold is, on a minute, Mr. Turi. Uh, we ha we have, have a candidate here pr promising free transit. I'm not sure what you're talking about. You have to know how you're going to pay for it. And this would cost hundreds of millions of dollars, if not even more. And the people out there know there's only one set of people that can pay for it, and that is them. And so there are many priorities to address. And I respect the fact that you say you would uh, introduce this. And I've tried to take some steps to help those who need it the most by having kids and families get kids 12 and under uh, travel free and by introducing for the first time ever a low-income transit pass. But the notion of making it free for everybody, do I just you, think you're... But the we're, question we're, is, do you believe that transit is a right, like health care? and like education. So clearly Mr. Tory doesn't believe that, but I'd be really uh, curious to hear what Ms. Keesmat says because online you suggested on more than one occasion that the City of Toronto should have free transit. So I would like to hear a yes or no for the people of the City of Toronto when they're voting to know, do you support free transit, yes or no? To be very clear, we need excellent transit in every corner of the city and we need a responsible plan that is bold and is also realistic that we can deliver. That's what we need. And access to tra transit is essential to access to jobs. It's essential to access to education. It's a and yes or no question. The is biggest that, is challenge it a yes? we have today, the biggest challenge we have today is that we are not building the right transit and we're not building that transit fast enough. We need to build transit in every corner of this city. I know Saren's trying to implore is, do you believe it's a right? Free transit is a right in the city of Toronto. I think free transit is a dream. It's a wonderful dream. I think it's a very difficult thing to achieve in most cities in the world. In fact, I don't know of cities in the world where that actually exists. I do Estonia has free transit in the entire region, so I'm pretty sure if the, if the state of Estonia could pilot free transit and do so successfully, that the city of Toronto could also have free transit. But the people of the city of Toronto have to cast a vote. And I am, I am here to tell the city of Toronto that I will implement free transit because transit is a All right. right. We'll okay. end on that high water mark. <laughs> right. Uh, Sarah Clement-Hega, you have made safe streets such a priority uh, in your campaign. Tell us in one minute what you're going to do about that and to ease congestion and traffic in this city. So we often pose this question as a balance, a balance between moving traffic and, move, and keeping people safe. I totally disagree with this question. When we, we could ask about a balance between speed and safety. And I know that when I'm behind the wheel of a car and when many of the listeners who are hearing this right now are behind the wheel of a car, we want cars to move fast. But when our child runs after a ball into the street or our elderly parent is trying to get across a busy intersection, we want cars to move slow. 
So I think we can all agree that safety has to come before speed. But traffic flow versus safety? Now there's where we have a real opportunity because the only way we are going to get people moving, do we want to move machines or do we want to move people? I say we want to move our population. The only way we're going to do that is by prioritizing transit, by making cycling a safe, viable mode of transportation for all the people who want to do it but can't right now, and having wide, accessible sidewalks so that no matter whether you're 5, 50, or 100, you can get along safely. Okay, thanks, Ms. Klemenhaga. Mr. Tory, I'll ask you to start our Well, I will agree with uh, Ms. Klemenhaga that we have to prioritize transit. And that means building it first and foremost, because right now we don't have enough. And we have a plan. This is a, a, at the essence of this election. We have a transit plan that has been developed by city staff. Uh, in fact, Ms. Keysmat was part of that and actually took some credit for it, and that's fine with me. But now she wants to change it because we took that plan, we got it approved by city council, we got $9 billion in funding from the other governments, and now we're going about implementing every one of those projects that's going to help address what Ms. Clement Haggis spoke about. And I'm just going to jump in here Matt, and say that Ms. building Matt wants is not working for us right now. And, and start pulling pieces out here and pulling pieces out there and the prescription for that or the result of that will be a disaster for us in the sense that we will not get on with building transit which is what we've not done for decades and we'll be delayed by her own estimation three years when you start pulling pieces out of a transit plan that's been approved and that uh, a lot of the other governments and have stepped forward. And we need long-term transit planning absolutely but our riders need relief right now. It, even with the best of intentions, these plans aren't going to happen for 10 or 20 years. So prioritizing, <laughs> making putting transit first means we move people first when they're in transit vehicles. Means we're not having a line of 50 cars holding up a streetcar full of 80 people. The good news so we need to do can, that today. We can build transit much quicker than we're building it today. I'm not proposing ripping up any any plan, Mr. Tory. Smart track is dead in the water. There's there's dead nothing in the water. there. It's so hilarious it's not, you say that. Not, you know what? Is, do you know what this is? This is the provincial approval for the six new transit stations six in the city stations. of Toronto signed by stations. the province of Ontario today. No, they're smart track stations actually, and they're only being built because we initiated that and because we reached an agreement with them, which you would be in a perpetual state of war with them on all fronts, and you wouldn't get this done. But that is a step forward that was taken today, and that is moving this project forward, which is what I've been doing for four years, and it's moving forward every single day, and that is a piece of paper just, it today. Just, you just heard it from Mr. Tory. He, he has spent four years getting six stations. That's what we've got. There were supposed to be 53 kilometers of track. That's not happening. And I think one of there those stations be, isn't wanted by the community. There, there was to spend four years delivering six stations is precisely why our commute times are getting longer. Uh, in with all you don't want to mention that we spent transit. some of the same four with, years producing a whole bunch of dozens respect, of restored bus routes, sorry, dozens of new express time. bus John services. Tory, you had your Please. time. Okay, I, I, so we, we are Fair actually enough. going to be moving on now to our Fair next enough. topic. As a matter of course, though, and John, when you do hold up a document, it's uh, something I want to reassure the radio listeners. He does have a piece of paper in his hands. Uh, <laughs> and I saw a signature on it. I didn't, <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, it's just theatre of the mind. Uh, you are listening to a special edition of the John Oakley Show on Global. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Uh, the debate is also being streamed live on globalnews.ca. Four mayoral candidates have joined us to debate some of the key issues facing Toronto. John Tory, Jennifer Keysmat, Saren Gebrselassie, and Sarah Kleiman-Haga. Uh, let's move on to our next question, and uh, you'll each be given again a minute to share your plan. After that, we'll open it up for debate. Feel free to get involved as you're uh, so inclined. And uh, when we run out of time, the trustee bell is here to remind us. Uh, now here's a question. How do you plan to reduce criminal activity? 
Would you give extra tools to the police? Would you increase funding for youth programs or any other initiative? We are going to begin with you on this question. Jennifer Keesmat, your one minute begins right now. This has been one of the most violent summers on record. And as a mom, like so many other people in this city, this scares me. Without a plan, the situation in our neighborhoods is going to get worse. Since Mr. Tory became mayor, we've had over a 1,000 shootings in this city. And we've fallen behind on international 911 response time standards. That's the price of dithering and delay. My plan my plan is to ban handguns and ammunition, to get Toronto up to code on 911 response times, to provide economic opportunities for at-risk youth, to transform policing through a neighbourhood-centred approach. We can do this. And also to re-establish respect between police and communities. With strong, decisive leadership, we can make our city safe. This is completely within our control. We can do this with strong leadership. Okay, thank you. Perfect time. Saran, I'll get you started on the open debate. Do you think Ms. Keysmat's plan would work? Absolutely not. I think Ms. Keysmat is not qualified to speak on police community relations in the city of Toronto. We know that there is tension between the police and a number of migrant communities, including the black community. And I would say that in the solution to crime is very simple. No jargon, no mumbo jumbo. To tackle crime, we need to eliminate poverty. So instead of hiring 200 more police officers, as John Tory has proposed to do, under my plan, I will create 1,000 new youth jobs for youth in all 31 neighborhood improvement areas. And that is how we will actually tackle crime. Uh, Mr. Tory, you've been accused of dithering and delay. You've also uh, talked about putting more officers on our streets. How do you respond to Ms. Keysmat's plan? I think there's one person that's made that accusation. It's unfortunate we get into name-calling as opposed to just sticking to the policy. But the bottom line is, is this. This is something that keeps me, as, as, a, as a human being, as a father, as a grandfather, and as the mayor, it keeps me awake at night. It, it is a terrible uh, tragedy when anybody loses their life, or for that matter, is, is uh, subject to shooting in our neighborhoods. And I have moved. Do you feel on, that way? John about Andrew Loku and the other numerous people who have been killed at the hands of the police in the city of Toronto. We live in a different era right now. All across Canada and the United States, there is awareness about police brutality and the Toronto Police Service in the city have demonstrated that they are not tackling crime effectively, that in fact they're targeting youth from well, neighborhoods. One thing I will say, areas. you mentioned the Andrew Loku case. I mean, I think the police service uh, has taken steps now not only to look into that, but also now to establish a body that is permanently going to look at how we can uh, de-escalate in cases of mental health because it is something where I think we have a lot of learning to do and a lot of changed practices. But so let me come back to something. how about you me, actually, no, I didn't, John I didn't Tory, you had so much time to speak. How about well, I, reversing I, I your any, position yeah. on 200 police officers no. and actually saying, let's hire more young people in the city of well, Toronto. See, you, Ms. Ms. you make it, you make it an either or choice and I say we have to do both because we need to support the police and so I will not uh, take you up on your offer to not hire those 200 police officers. We have to hire 200 next year and 200 this year because we have to do that to make sure we can expand our neighborhood policing program Tory, and at the more same police time officers is not going to eradicate gun violence in the city of Toronto what you need to do what I will do as the next mayor of the city of Toronto is create 1,000 new, new youth jobs in all of our priority areas Mr. Tory the police budget gets one-tenth of the city's operating budget it's over one billion dollars could that money be used elsewhere 
We should ask the young again, people in the city Selassie, of Toronto. With the greatest of respect, who, you make we this. We should ask young please people. Please let me have a chance. You have you your Well, no, no, but you've just had yours. So now you ask me a question, and I will say that you make it an either-or case. I will not make that either-or decision you ask for. I am saying we need to support the police with with manpower and with technology. And we need to make investments. So when the province of Ontario, another example of partnership with the government of Ontario, came forward with $25 million, we said we would match it, as they asked to do. And most of our money is going to go into creating exactly those kinds of programs and positions you talked about for young people and families. If because you're right. If we're that is a part of this, but not the only part. Okay, okay. okay. Time is up on this debate. Since you're already fired up, Sarah, <laughs> I'm going to let you go here with your minute priority statement on battling crime and, uh, well, just reducing criminal activity in general. I'm kind of intrigued. Youth programs, creating a thousand new youth jobs. Uh, if you want to expound on that, feel free. But just in general, how would you reduce criminal activity in Toronto? The Toronto police budget gets one-tenth of the city's operating budget. That's over $1 billion. 90% of that budget goes to officer salaries. And I may point out, Chief Saunders is earning over a quarter million dollars a year. Could we use that money elsewhere? We should ask the young people of Sistema Toronto, who just had all of their funding cut, thanks to the province of Ontario under Doug Ford. And those are exactly the kinds of programs that would actually help eradicate crime in the city of Toronto. But you're not going to solve crime by hiring more police. Has that been effective in the past? I don't think so. And so if we actually want to tackle crime, we got to make the city more affordable. Under your administration, this city of Toronto is now one of the most expensive cities in the world. So policing is not the answer and you need to be bold. And actually, I'm going to put it to, uh, to Jennifer. I haven't heard you disavow police brutality. I have not heard you advocate for the rights of racialized communities in the city of Toronto. I hear you speak to a, a, frankly, a much more privileged aspect of the um, segment of the population. Okay, uh, that's fine on that one-minute statement. So, Jennifer, the ball has been tossed to you. If you'd like to pick it up Absolutely. as we open the floor to debate, I'll uh, lead with you. So a couple of things in, in response to Saran. The first one is that I completely agree that we need to provide economic opportunities for at-risk youth. And uh, I spent many years of my life uh, as part of a nonprofit organization that I started and that I was involved in running for 15 years that was precisely about that. It was about helping youth that are, are at most at risk in our city and ensuring that we're delivering pathways out of violence. So will you one disavow the, the decision to hire 200 more police officers? The people want to know where you stand on police brutality and where you stand on this call for 200 more uh, police officers. Will I'm you, happy to answer that. Will you disavow police brutality and will you call for a reversal of the decision to hire 200 more police officers? And it's a yes or no. You've asked me a question and I'd love to answer it. And the first is this. One of the reasons why I talked about re-establishing respect between police and communities is precisely because we realized, we, I realized that there is an incredible issue with racialized communities and trust in police and empowerment and opportunities. And we need to address that by working collaboratively with communities. A top-down approach is not going to work. It hasn't worked. One of the things that I'm very concerned about is that we have had from Mr. Tory throwing money, throwing new officers at the problem without a strategy, without a plan to to address how we're going to create strong neighborhoods. And you, we will create you know, strong because neighborhoods you've talked about, by ensuring that we're working with neighborhoods. You've talked ensuring about that, we have that very like plan. Mobile so to say crisis. there isn't a plan, and the fact of the matter is the reason that today we're creating traffic wardens so police don't have to direct traffic, the reason that we're taking noise uh, uh, complaints away from police and handing them
them to bylaw inspection officers is so that police can focus not just on fighting crime, but also getting into the community with community policing and forging the kinds of relations and frankly restoring some of the trust that has been eroded in and past I'm years. So to say there is no plan, you took all that away four years ago. Now we have a crisis right. and you're bringing it back. And yeah. I think that's a real problem. One this more. kind of yo-yo approach to our city, waiting for a crisis to arise, whether it's congestion I'd like to or get housing back to okay. or Sarah, safety, yeah, you've and been quiet for throwing a while. resources yeah. at Actually it is not the way Actually talking about crime rather than fighting between each, between each other. Um, first of all, I think we need to avoid inflammatory discussions around crime. And I actually don't think it's fair. I totally disagree with some of what Mayor Tory has done on crime, but I don't think it's fair to blame a politician when someone dies. That's what gets us into this mess. When we react to headlines, instead of being proactive, we don't end up with good solutions. And so, you know, police, I just want to say what I've heard when I've talked to people around this city, they're not asking for more police. They're asking for better relations with police. They're asking for police to be able to do their job and not other jobs that they seem to be saddled with. So we need to be talking about, you know, improving the resources. Like Saron says, it's a huge budget. Are we using it the best way? Are we, are we overspending some ways and not enough? So the people want solutions to crime. They don't want reactions. And I think as, as politicians, as, as candidates, we need to offer solutions and, and they're all around prevention. So you right. said, well, you okay. John, Actually, hang on. So, uh, yeah, done with Mr. that? Troy, we are done with the, the discussion and now it's your one minute to talk about what you're going to do. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it falls into three categories, and I'd be interested in hearing. I mean, I, I respect the fact that Ms. Gepper-Selassie has said she disagrees with hiring 200 police officers, but I'll tell you, it falls into three categories, what we have to do and what we are doing right now. And that is that we are hiring 200 police officers this year and next, because we need to do that to make sure we have the officers available to do the neighborhood policing. We are advocating strongly on the laws to be changed, including the question I keep asking, why does anybody need to have a handgun in the city of Toronto? And we've made progress. I've been a national leader in this discussion and the federal government has now indicated they're beginning consultations for the first time on actually looking at a handgun ban in the city of Toronto and perhaps beyond. And the third thing that we're doing is that we are investing in kids and families in those neighborhoods more the than ever before. That you Let's let him finish. He has his one minute. Let's let him finish. And what we want to do by making those investments and we're doing it in concert. By the way, all of these things are being done in partnership with the other governments. Something Ms. Keysmet doesn't think is important. You can just stomp your feet and just say we're not going to deal with those people people at all on anything. And I say no, we have to deal with them. And they are investing in the case of the federal government, in the investments in kids and families. And in the case of the province, they are helping us with changing the bail laws and, and changing okay. the approach to Your bail and with putting police officers on our streets. So in the last up. election, you said a handgun ban was an empty gesture. Now we've had a thousand shootings in our city. That's what's happened. Well, let me tell you we've what's changed. We've had a thousand shootings and, in our right. city. And, and now you're again. saying that that's so what we do need. You want to tell that's me, not well, leadership. Well, can I tell leadership you what's Changed. getting out ahead you see, of Jennifer, a challenge. You see, Jennifer, leadership is about when you're presented with new facts, actually changing your opinion. That is something that I think people respect and they admire when you actually do it. And when the police, Not if chief, you can solve the, when problem. the police chief brought me a report saying that now 50% of all the handguns that are used in the commission of crimes in Toronto are coming from inside sources in, in Canada, then that was a change because previously it had been 80% were coming from the United States. And so to me, that made the difference between saying now we should move forward and, and putting public interest over everything else, ban handguns in the city of Toronto. And I immediately began to advocate for that as soon as I had that report. I went to national conferences and talked about it. I went
went to the prime minister. I That's went lovely, to the ministers. John. That's too lovely, John. That's lovely. But can That's we just point out the irony? You just said we can't afford free transit. Meanwhile, you can afford 200 more police officers to the Toronto police budget, which is the largest line well, item Gabriel on Selassie. your budget. That Actually, at that's not just true. Over because, a dollars. because you see, you, you need have to actually clearly, Mr. Tory, the people have lost faith in your ability to restore but, to restore police community relations. That has not happened under your leadership. And Ms. Kizma is so lukewarm on the question of police brutality, and that is not what the people of the city of Toronto need. I there just is no need. And I just point out to you no, one thing on, that I think is very Sarah, important to this yeah, debate. We're actually eating in Sarah's time just because we've been talking about this handgun ban, and I think it can eat up a lot of space. And for it, whether or not it happens, it's it's not it's not happening fast, and the guns aren't going away in the meantime. And a lot of people point out that a lot of the guns that used are used are illegal. So we need to talk about ways we can get rid of guns right now. And amnesty, gun amnesties have worked very well some places. Why don't we look at things like that? Why don't we look at creative solutions instead of pointing to some federal legislation? The city has actually okay. approved you're, having you're another have one. Your one minute uh, in just a second. So, Mr. Tory, I'll let you respond to what well, the, the city is going to have. A gun, the city council approved a gun amnesty, another one. We've had them before, and they've been of limited use, but we're going to try them again because and maybe increase the amount that's given to people who bring in guns. So I think it is an idea, and I agree with you, uh, that we're going to try it again. Uh, but I think in the end, we, we cannot get ourselves into a situation where we say that it's an either-or choice. I think all three of the things that we've talked about, investing in the police and making sure we maintain adequate strength so How that we can, can we have community policing, in the police? investing you in kids and families and changing the laws are all things we have budget. to do. We have a $1 billion budget for the Toronto Police Service in the, in the city. It is we do not need to invest more in that area. We need to actually eliminate poverty in the city. I cannot... All right, hang on just a second, because, I mean, we're hitting some contentious themes, obviously, and uh, it's a spirited debate, but Sarah, I wanted you to expound on some of the uh, themes that you touched on earlier when it comes to reducing criminal activity. Now, uh, we've heard Crawford hiring two more police, 200 more uh, police officers, also advocating for stricter laws uh, on guns, even a handgun ban. So you've got a minute to uh, really tee off here and give us vision of your priorities when it comes to addressing criminal activity on the streets in Toronto. Yeah, and I think we have to just always get back to this. If we want to if we don't want crime, we have to prevent it. If we want to prevent crime, we have to invest in prevention. And we do too much on reaction. Um, it, the ways to prevent crime are simple. They're about equity, they're about poverty, uh, they're about even housing and transportation. So we need to make sure that we're investing in our communities, in the communities that are affected by crime instead of penalizing them. I totally disagree with the investment of vast sums of money in surveillance that's intrusive on all of our privacy. Uh, it's unwanted by the communities and it doesn't prevent crime. Instead, we should be looking at arts and cultural and uh, youth, youth programming, sports programming. That, that's what youth need, so they don't need to gravitate to gangs. We need to invest in housing so parents don't have to work two jobs and not be around to support their families and guide them as they're growing up. And we need to make sure that relations between the community and the police are good. We've been starting down that path. We have to do so much more. And that will help both with solving crimes and it will help with preventing crimes. Just blanket okay. hiring more Hang police on just is a second. not the now, all right, not to be uh, redundant, but uh, Saren, maybe you wanted to pick up on that. I'll throw it open to debate uh, with all of the participants, but uh, community involvement seems to be a note struck by Sarah and yourself. You're like-minded to a large extent on that front, so if you wanted to pick up on that, we'll throw it open to the other candidates. 
crime is linked to affordable housing, Jennifer Kiesma and John Tory have failed the people of the City of Toronto during their administration, were incapable of meeting their own targets for housing. Under the Housing Opportunities Toronto plan, they were supposed to build 10,000 affordable housing units, failed to do so, didn't even build half of the promised units. And it's because of that, that the people in the city are facing a housing crisis. So if elected, I will declare a state of emergency on housing because housing is completely out of control in the city and it's directly linked to crime. The city is not affordable. So you're saying it's poor planning on the, you indicted Ms. Keysmat directly on that front. They do not deliver. Jennifer Keysmat and John Tory failed the city, they did not deliver. And so now the people are supposed to believe that 100,000 new units are going to be built, but you couldn't even deliver on the 10,000 units that were promised to the people well, of the city. Can I just well, honest, no, I, I would like to, re I would like to respond to As this. a result of that failure, the people cannot believe that you will deliver on housing. All right, let's have a listen to uh, Jennifer. Absolutely, I think you're raising really critical and important issues, and in particular, the link between access to housing and poverty and the connections with crime these connections are well established and we it behooves us to take them very seriously to be very clear about the link when you create an unaffordable city and a city where people feel like they don't have opportunities and the fact that we then see crime emerging emerging in our city we have a problem of leadership at the city and this was a deep frustration to me when I was at the city exactly what you're talking about we are not even close to delivering the affordable housing that we need to be delivering to ensure that everyone has a future in this city. Isn't that what Newcomers I just said? I just said that you did not deliver. Let's, so you agree with let, me that you did not deliver. So I agree that we have a problem not. of leadership at this city. I've not been at the city for a year. And when I was at the city, one of my great frustrations was city the absence hall. of leadership. You know, Affordable you know, housing is not a Hang on just a second. John, I'm tight on time. I haven't done this question at all yet. I'm sorry. Okay, but hang on just a second. Because when you say when you were at the city you did not bring forward at any meeting i was ever at and and i've confirmed with the deputy mayor and talked to others you never once brought forward a proposal to do anything with respect to affordable housing furthermore your employer after you left the city and went to work in a business that uh, that uh, is all about affordable housing your employer has confirmed publicly that in six months working with them you never brought one project forward uh, in in any city let alone toronto that's and so, ridiculous and, that's and i will just say to Ms. That on the targets, you're right. From 2009 until the time I was mayor, the city didn't even meet the modest target that was set by a previous mayor of a thousand units no, per year. You but I will just tell you. I will just tell you. Please let me finish. Mayor it's Tory, fair. you had your chance. If you just admitted so you had failed a chance to well, deliver, so like to I'll I'll you know what? We're gonna we're gonna actually. Did. I know. My I'm going to take control of this now. We're going to wrap it up now. I completely understand. I understand. And you know what? Jennifer. You will all have a chance to respond because we're ch switching the topic now and it's on this. It's on affordability in this city. Just to reset with our viewers, you're listening to a special edition of the John Oakley Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. This debate is also being streamed live on globalnews.ca. John Tory, Jennifer Keysmat, Saran Gebra uh, Gebra Selassie, sorry about that, uh, and Sarah Cl Climbing. Climbing.
Hager. Clyman Hager, <laughs> I apologize, uh, are joining us. You all both can call me Farah if you want. You know, <laughs> um, we are all debating here issues that are facing our city, and I'm just going to remind everyone how the rules work. You'll each be given one minute to share your plan. After that, we're going to open it up to others to debate your specific idea. And you've heard we will ring the bell mm. if necessary. John quite enjoys it. Uh-huh. So we're going to move on to the final question now, and that is the cost of living in Toronto. It continues to creep up. And what's the point of doing all the things that we're talking about if nobody can afford to actually live here? So the question is this. How do you build a big, beautiful, modern, safe city, but keep it affordable? Saran, we're going to start with you. You have one minute. We build an affordable city by having leadership that actually values affordability and actually believes in the working class people of the city of Toronto. Jennifer Kiesma and John Tory are not champions for the working class by any stretch of the imagination. They have never lived in Toronto community housing. They probably don't know what it's like to live in a neighborhood improvement area. Under my leadership, there will be a state of emergency declared and the people of the city can believe that I would deliver because I actually grew up in TCHC. And under my leadership, I will build 20,000 new affordable housing units and I will actually deliver. If John Tory just said he did not deliver and Jennifer Kingsman agreed while you were at City Hall, you did not deliver. The people cannot trust you to deliver this time around. And I will add to that, we don't even have a clear definition of affordable housing. Jennifer is under the impression that it's affordable in Toronto is 80% of the market rate. I don't know about you, okay. but in the city here, 80% Ms. Deborah of the market rate is not Your affordable. time is actually up for this discussion. Ms. Kismet, I'll let you respond. So a couple of things. The first thing is that it's absolutely true that our city under Mr. Tory has become the most expensive city in the country in which to rent. And this is a major problem for families in this city. It's a major problem for our economic growth. The number one thing that we hear from businesses is that they can't come and locate in this city when they, in fact, even though their employees have jobs, they cannot afford to pay the rent or to access housing in this city. That is... That is compromising our quality of life in this city. Uh, Mr. Tory's been a passenger on so many files at the city, whether it's transit or housing. He may be surprised to know that the affordable units that we secured on the Honest Ed site, uh, the, all of those those 20% of units that were affordable, that they were secured as a result of my leadership. That the affordable units that we secured at Tippett Road, they were secured as part of my leadership. But you know what? It was like pushing water uphill because there wasn't any leadership at the top. And that was an incredible challenge to trying to deliver. You know, 20 years ago, we actually did this as a city. We built thousands and thousands of affordable units in this city, and it was why entrepreneurs came to this city. I'm going to let Sarah jump in on this because she hasn't had a chance to talk about affordable housing. And the challenge, of course, today is that we've lost the thread. You'll have a minute to talk about your plan, but first, Sarah, let's Is it my minute or am I responding? No, you're just responding. Okay, well, I mean, I just, I think we... So often in these debates and in political promises, we toss around numbers, and numbers aren't really that meaningful to the average person. They just know that rent is too expensive. They just know that they can't find a house. So that's what we need to really address. And you know, we can promise, make all sorts of promises. I don't really think making promises is necessarily the way to go. We need to just commit to action. And what I want to do is work with the staff who are in place and work with the plans that are already there. We, the city, has adopted all sorts of great strategies, but we're not funding them. So we need to just admit we got, we have to advance. 
invest. That's why we haven't built the housing. We haven't invested it. Why haven't we invested it? Because we say we don't have enough money. Why don't we, we have enough money? Because we're not raising it. Let's look at that basic issue. I commit to investing it. I, I commit to raising the money if we need to. But we can't build housing unless we're willing to address that basic fact. We have to invest. And we have not been investing enough. Are we investing enough, Mr. Tory, in housing right now? Well, I think what we can do, and we have done this, and this is why we did begin, in fairness, uh, during my administration to actually meet the targets that had not been met under previous mayors. And we began to do it because we were putting up city land. We were putting up city land that had sat sometimes for eight or nine years and was, had been declared surplus or had been not put to use by the city. And those pieces of land today Will you are, are, declare a state of emergency on housing? Yes well, or see, no? Because when you in say my declare view, a state of emergency, we, have, we, ha we are in a state of emergency around housing. I think it is housing, a very urgent problem. Do not believe that all you right. will actually deliver on any of the promises. And you already said. All right, all right. Hang you on, didn't Sarah. Deliver. No, in fairness, what I said was that before my time, that target was you never once met, including years when Ms. Keysmack, by the way, was the plans. chief planner for the city and of Toronto. Jennifer Dozens of condo towers. Well, well, let's hear from Jennifer. No affordable housing in some of those. Why don't we start? If we're going to. Okay, hang on, Sarah. Please respect our clock. On this matter, Jennifer Keysmack, I know you're champing at the bit. I can see steam rising out of your collar. So making Toronto more affordable, I'll give you the floor for a minute and then everybody else can jump back in. Well, I think affordability in this city is the number one issue that residents are facing. People come up to me every day and say that life here is simply too expensive. And like many other people in this city, I am deeply worried about this. Under Mr. Tory, he has set meager targets uh, for affordability, and he didn't even meet those targets. And no messing around with the numbers can change that, that we're not messing the targets. To Sarah's point, we can see it in our city. It's too expensive. And on an issue as important as affordability, we cannot afford to dither and delay any longer. Right now, the city is selling off its land that it already owns, primarily to build luxury condos that most people can't afford in this city. Mr. Tory is actually fueling the affordability problem by selling off that land in our city. My plan is to use our city-owned land. And instead of building luxury condos, I want to build 100,000 units of rental homes that people can actually afford. We already All have right, this that's asset. The minute. We can use it. That's the minute. John Tory, I mean, uh, you're fueling, I guess, this uh, funding issue as well as, uh, you know, the idea that you are, are pandering to elites or uh, the luxury market, your response? Well, that's, I, I, it's not true. And uh, Ms. Keesman, as much as she might make these things up and say them, uh, they're about winning votes as opposed to actually stating the truth. The fact is, this is the first mayor of the last three that has actually met the annual targets, but I've clearly said they're not adequate. Now, Ms. Keesman touts a plan that will create 100,000 units in 10 years. Let me tell you what the people said who actually build those houses. The people who actually build those houses or those uh, units, affordable units, they describe the, the uh, housing plan of a 100,000 as doomed to failure and simply unrealistic. And I've been saying that throughout the campaign because when I went to the city staff and said, how many units can we produce? The answer they came back with was 30,000 over 10 years. And they're talking about the availability of trades. They're talking about uh, the approval process. They're talking about land and a whole bunch of other things. I told them that wasn't good enough and I wanted them to up that. So they did increase it to 40,000, which means about 3,300 a year. I'd love to do more, but I don't want to make commitments to people or promises to people standing here to try and win votes 
as Ms. Kiesmatt is doing that can't be achieved. And so it's I will look Ms. Gebrselassie right in the eye and say that target of 40,000 over the next uh, 12 years will be met because I'm going to put every ounce of strength I have behind it and I'm going to invest in the partnerships with the other governments because we can't do this without them. And I was I, a I'm leader in all in of the country in convincing the government of Canada to place a high priority once again on housing among all the mayors and with them. And we did it and there's a lot of federal money coming our way. Now we have to use it to get the housing built, but we can't be unrealistic in terms so, well, of I just targets want to that are, are due to fail. We can use our land to deliver uh, housing. Um, you know, what, what is unrealistic? It's unrealistic to say I'm going to turn the city into chocolate, although that would be delicious. <laughs> we need to make sure, it's not unrealistic to say we have to house people, and it's not unrealistic to say we can do it better and faster. It just means investment. And uh, it, what are we going to invest in? Hospitals and jails? Because that's where people are going to end up, or in our parks and What ravines. do you mean specifically we by investment in housing? Uh, well, if, if, what are the barriers? I mean, the mayor was talking about the, the issues that are in the way of, of building more housing and doing it faster. He mentioned land. Well, let's look at the land. What else can we do with our land? How can we free it up to build more housing? Zoning. Let's cut red tape a lot faster than we're doing it right now. Um, staff. We need to hire more staff if that's what it takes to get housing happening. Okay, Jennifer so Keesman, you were a, a planner. I mean, is that all feasible to do on Fast Track? Well, absolutely. And uh, one of the things that I did before making this uh, campaign commitment, which is actually about transforming our city. And that's why it's bold and that's why it's ambitious, because we need to ensure that we're providing housing for everyone in the city. And amazingly, when we were a much smaller city 20 years ago, we built 8,000 units a year of affordable housing. There's no reason why we can't build 10 now. And the great thing is our industry partners are saying to me, they're calling me up every day and saying, we can do this. If the city releases its land, we can deliver the housing. So, so I have a question for you. Yeah, I have a question for you. We are actually going to cut off the segment you because we're going to listen. You were the chief city planner. You were the chief city planner for three years before I even set foot in the city hall. Where was this plan? This where was this bold plan? Where was any ambition to take it from even the thousand you didn't achieve during that time up to the number you're talking about today, which the people who build the houses say is not possible? Where was that plan under the previous mayor? Are you going to say that was a problem too? Where was your voice that okay. is so loud today now that you're I'm a political gonna, candidate? Let, where was your voice then on affordable housing? This is amazing, Mr. Tory. I don't. It seems to me that you don't appreciate the opportunity and the power of a mayor to lead. And a mayor. No, but I'm talking about before I got there. You were the chief planner. You make a big deal of that, and rightly so. Where were you? Director of housing, and that was not my portfolio. Now we are out of time. Now we are out of time. Not my department. How many times have you seen that when you go somewhere? That's not my department. We're going to cut you off now, Sarah. I'd like to give you your minute. Sarah, I'd like to give you your minute. Thank you, and I'm just going to apologize to the listening audience for all the bickering. I know that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear action. Toronto is a huge city. We have 2.8 million people. We're growing, but we we are a huge city. And I can tell you, since campaigning since May 1st, on transit, uh, on foot, uh, on bicycle, and talking to people, this city, and telling them how to pronounce my name, Kleimenhaga, but anyways, this city is huge. And there is space. And I think that's something that Jennifer has pointed out. There is space in this city to build housing. And we can do it. And that's the way we're going to make this city affordable, is by building housing, is by investing in transit. And it, But it's people don't want more condos. They don't want more sky rise 
sky-high towers, and they tell me that all the time. But they do want more housing. What we have in this city is sky-high towers and stable neighborhoods with single-family homes that almost any, that very few people can afford anymore. So we need to look at how we can create more housing in those stable neighborhoods in a way that still enhances our neighborhoods. And we need to look at what we can do for mid-rise. We always talk about why don't we have a more European style of development. Well, there's zoning reasons why that doesn't happen. Um, and so we need to, again, look at our zoning and make it in concert with our talk, not against it. Sarah Kleiman-Haga, thank you very much for that. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you, Ms. Kiesmet. What about this European style and these mid-rises? Do you think that could work for Toronto? Well, the good news is that we are delivering a lot of mid-rise development in this city. We have over 62 mid-rise developments that are being built right now in the city, spread throughout the entire city. But the problem is we're not building affordable housing. That's the challenge. Well, and so maybe we can change our urban form. We are changing our urban form. There's a tremendous amount of change happening in the city. But the problem here is leadership on affordable housing. That is the problem. And Mr. Tory has said on many occasions that the mayor's office is a symbolic one. And I disagree with him. I believe we need strong, decisive leadership. And with strong, decisive leadership and clarity, let's stop selling off our city-owned lands for luxury condos. And let's instead focus on using that land in order to build affordable housing. We can do this. It just takes will. It takes strong leadership. It's a leader who is decisive and makes this a key priority and also links this in to the other challenges we see in our city. It's about inclusion. It's about equity. It's also about using our transit in an excellent way. We have a transit system that we need to build out in every corner of the city, and we need to be using that transit infrastructure better by building more affordable housing. Affordable housing has been pushed right off the transit system, building so what you're saying more is it would be affordable housing right along our transit system. Based on those transit hubs, Sarah, and I wanted you to uh, weigh in on this as well, because housing's obviously a, an well, issue close to you. Thank you. Yes, well, first off, we need an actual definition of affordable housing. So under Ms. Kiesmatt's definition, affordable housing is 80% of market rate. And now I don't know about you, but an apartment that's even a box shape downtown Toronto can go for $1,500, $1,600. 80% of market rate is not affordable. And to my and further to that, I haven't really heard you say much about Toronto community housing and ensuring that we actually have uh, conditions that are befitting for human habitation in TCHC. So I need to hear uh, a recognition that housing is a fundamental right. And I don't believe that two status quo career politicians really understand the struggles of working class people in this city every day. I will come to the defense of my colleague here in water. saying that neither of us are career politicians. We both had many other aspects to our career. And I don't think you're that matters career. anyway, but we're neither of us are career politicians. But well, having said that, the bottom line is, I'll just say in response to your precise question about Toronto Community Housing, under my leadership as mayor, we've got the first money ever from the provincial and federal governments to address the repair question. It's not enough, but it's a good start because before they were giving nothing. And I worked and I worked and I worked because I knew they had to share uh, this uh, responsibility of making sure the housing that we own uh, is, is proper and habitable for our residents. We have also put a record amount from the city into those repairs uh, during my time as mayor. So I think that is a very important question that you ask. And it's one that I'm proud that we've made some progress on with much more to do. All right, hang on. Uh, John, I'm just going to follow up on that here because I'm going to give you the floor for a minute uh, because Saren had mentioned Toronto community housing as a fundamental right. So uh, 
under the rubric of making Toronto again more affordable. You have a minute to expound. Well, we've talked a lot about affordable housing, and I've put forward what I believe to be a very realistic plan of 40,000 units over the next 12 years, and that's backed up by our own staff who said to me 30,000, and I pushed them to do more. But there's no point in politicians or candidates putting forward unrealistic goals that just can't be achieved. That'll dash people's expectations. But it goes further than that. I have taken steps, and we will take more going forward, to make transit for kids 12 and under free, to create, uh, with the approval of the City Council, a low-income fare pass. And then we come to taxes. And this is something we haven't heard a peep from Ms. Keysmat about yet. But one of the biggest bills that a lot of seniors and a lot of young people and a lot of other people get every year is from the City of Toronto for their property taxes and small businesses for their commercial taxes. And I have kept those tax increases at or below the rate of inflation for four years and will do so for the okay, next four I'm years. And that's something to that that's very important to affordability in our city as okay, well. Okay, hang on. Uh, Saren uh, first and then Saren and I'll... Okay. Uh, throw it over to Jennifer Sarn and go ahead a response. I'm going to repeat what I said earlier is that the people of the city of Toronto cannot trust you John Tory to deliver. You've already indicated that you couldn't deliver on the hot plan so how can anyone in good faith trust you to deliver now? And further to that if we're talking about housing we, you've already said you don't believe in free transit. You, I haven't heard you believe that housing is a fundamental human right. I haven't heard you demonstrate that you've improved police community relations during your tenure. So I really think now is a time for you to recognize, as you already have, that you're just not prepared to really advocate and represent the interests of working class people in the city. All right, let's get Sarah in here quickly. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm so glad that the mayor brought up the issue of taxes because I, I want to say when I've been all over the city, some people have talked about taxes, but most people have not. Most people have said, we don't, we're not investing in this city. And, you know, nobody likes taxes. Nobody wants to pay more money, but we are paying money. We're, again, we're paying hospitals. We're paying prisons. Our senior and, and our senior level of government are, are, have taxes. I mean, taxes are a fact of life, and they pay for our city. So if we're going to, again, have an election where we commit to not raising any taxes, despite what our budgetary needs are, we're already doomed to failure. So we're, you would raise taxes? Well, I would set our budget needs first. That's what we need to do. How much housing do we need? What do we need to spend on transportation? We set our budget needs first, and then we look at revenue. John, and that's I, what I we do. We out, don't hold the line on taxes without knowing years, what we need. We have raised taxes at the rate of inflation or below, had a surplus every year, and invested at the same time record amounts in the TTC, in Toronto Community Housing Repairs, in uh, child care, thousands of new child care subsidies, uh, in the library system. Record amounts of investment in all of those years because you don't have to have big tax increases to pay for big plans. And I you just can, have you can to challenge find ways to do these things. The and that's why manager, the partnerships with the other governments are so important, by the yeah. way, because they help us to fund okay, John, a lot we, of these things. The city manager I think we, I said think we, we need can't to go keep back going here. the way we are. The, okay. I, think, I think John is making it really, really clear that there is a choice here. There's a, a contrast between our leadership approaches and our aspirations for the city. We can build 100,000 units of rental housing that people in this city can afford. We can be aspirational. We have the expertise. Have you seen the cranes in the air in this city? The good news is our industry has made it very clear. We will build the housing. We will do it. We need the city to come to the table as a partner. So why is that under industry, Mr. Tories, why is that under industry Ms. Keysmat, saying that your projection of 100,000 units is doomed to failure and simply unrealistic? Well, why I, are they I don't, saying that? I don't you know need who to go you're back 
friends you're talking talk to, but I'm talking to people are. who build housing in this city every day. And what they are saying to me is, we just need the land released. If the land is released, we have the expertise, we have the capacity, we can build affordable housing in this city. And if we release that land, it can actually happen quickly. What's holding up right now delivering affordable housing is the city. We can be bundling together properties and we can be putting those properties out to market and we can secure the housing at an affordable rent. We have we to get back this. to money because well, none of this is going to happen without money. Get back to mining the clock. Whoa, look at the time. I can't believe an hour's just flown by like that. But uh, I do think that there's a whole lot to chew down on here. There uh, is. But in so doing, as we sort of uh, look back on how many topics we uh, touched on, uh, we want to thank everybody for coming in. Thank and, you. Uh, and the entire debate is going to be streamed, uh, is going to be online on globalnews.ca as well. You'll also have highlights on Global News Toronto at 5.30 and 6. And Election Day is October 22nd. No, no doubt there's going to be plenty more to talk about between now and then. Keep listening. Danny Longo's up next with a news update. And on the other side, we'll have more of The Oakley Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you all. <laughs>